In the myriadic year of our lord, the ten-thousandth year of the king undying, the kindly prince of death, we depart from the disc and instead... We're doing bones, motherfucker! So cook up some soup in obedience to the emperor, put on your ugliest sunglasses and strap on your longsword, and let's turn in for a special, complete... Necography? Thanography? Episode. Let's talk about Gideon and Harrow the Ninth. has created a, a world with somehow the greatest evolution of the Harry Potter houses. Mm. Uh, you want eight necromancer families that have their own specific magic and bullshit. And bullshit. Um, and, <laughs> and bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> um, God, there's so much bullshit. So, much. <laughs> so I guess... <laughs> so this is the part where in our show notes we are going to... Um, what is your necromancer soda or your cavalier soda? Because let's be real, at least one of us here is not a necromancer. <laughs> since since this is an auditory medium, uh, please note that at that point, Justin was pointing toward their own face. <laughs> do we want to do this as everybody else picking everybody else's? Or everybody picking everybody else's. Yeah, I feel like, like that's how it's that, going to go. I, yeah, I, I okay. think that that's probably safest. Aaron, let's start with you. Yeah. I think you're a fifth boy. Yeah, probably Cav, too. Fifth Cav? Explain. Yeah. So the, 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 the fifth house is sort of like the... There's sort of the baseline of the Empire... I, I mean, I would have gone for fifth necro. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I have played many games with Aaron before. <laughs> God, for years. Uh, I mean, so <laughs> as, as we a, all as lean a forward. Po- point of interest. Uh, I have known Aaron since junior high. Oh. Somewhere in there. I kind of don't remember when I met Aaron. Like, I don't remember. Either. Sometime in junior high, we both liked Redwall. That's kind of as much information as I remember as about does. how we met. Uh, and I've never, I think Aaron's played a spellcaster like very infrequently for the most part. So I would not have picked Cav either. But a lot of swords are a thing though. So I would have picked Cav. Um, I know he likes swords. So I would have gone Cav. If it were me, uh, I, I think fifth house is a good choice too. Um, yeah, I think it would. I, I think fifth is pretty accurate. On the note of the fifth house, fucking love Abigail and Magnus. I know it is, they're so first good. of all, it is a crime what happens to them in Gideon the Ninth. Second of all, it is a crime that then she has the audacity to bring them back as ghosts or whatever, and we get to experience their glory in real time, and it's like not fair. Okay, it's not fair at all. I love them. I love them. My fa- my favorite my favorite moment with them 
is in Herald the Ninth, uh, when it's going through the the AUs. And oh my gosh! Yes, it's the uh, they uh, Harrow is doing the uh, flirt with the princess one. Yes, where she's yes. imagining the scenario where she's supposed to flirt with what I imagine is like Princess Gideon yes. or something like that. And yeah. Abigail is like, I really want to watch this one, but we don't really have time this for this. Isn't and how I'm it happened? Like, yeah, this isn't how it happened. But her like genuine enthusiasm to like watch how this plays out is very good i really like that they're like have you considered that you might be haunted yeah it's so good abigail is so great she's matter of fact she's totally on top of her shit i love that moment right before they do the little seance where she's like uh she asks the question she's like but how good like what was it like and harrow says and abigail just goes god i love a tomb like just like that's right. I forgot. That. I laughed out loud, and then I was like, "Oh no!" And then, and then that moment where they go to start the séance, and she and Magnus uh, kiss just like very, very quickly. They're like, "Okay, I love you, bye." And then, like, they kiss, and then they do the séance. And I was like, "Oh my god!" It's, it's so, so wonderful much. and domestic. Yes. Yeah. And the way and Magnus is so good. Magnus, Magnus. is like such a big dork. No, he's Magnus. so enthusiastic about the ninth and Gideon. Like he's a good man. He he really like he's just so like genuinely genuinely thrilled that the ninth are there. Mm-hmm. And every time Gideon does any like shows him any attention and like validates his, like his efforts to to like engage them at all, he's just so chuffed. He he's so chuffed, into it. Yes. It's really good. Chuffed is exactly the yeah. word for Magnus. And then and then the shitty teens in the first book were like, Magnus, no, don't invite her. No, yeah. don't invite them. The bone cultist Magnus. The like oh, subtext. Right. And you know, on that note, oh my gosh, is the audience. Yeah, for real. Oh, Moira Quirk, yeah. you guys, yeah. just yeah. crushing it. Even if you've read the books, just Go get both of those in audiobook because they're so good. She, You pick up on different things listening to it because it's also slower than I read personally. So like, mm-hmm. same. yeah, as I inject it directly into my eyeballs that like by listening to it, I'm able to go oh, a lot more, which is what I did when Drew was listening to it because my husband does not believe in uh, headphones. So when he listens to audiobooks, I also listen to those audiobooks. Um so he would be like listening and washing the dishes and then he'd stop and go, wait, what the fuck? And I would be like, yeah, you got to that part. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I, I recommend it, especially if you are trying to get someone else in your life to read it. Uh, maybe encouraging them to try the audiobook is a good gateway drug. Um, and then you get the added benefit of being able to gloat when they hit certain parts. Anyway, thank yeah. you for coming to my TED talk about Abigail Pent. <laughs> Okay. Okay, sort someone else, Justin, quick. Jude is the ninth house, and that's like, Jude is a ninth necromancer, and it's not even close. <gasps> I was going to say Jude for six. <laughs> yeah, when I, I always assumed I was six, because I'm a big True, nerd. true. You are a wealth uh, of knowledge, Six was my Jude. poll, too. That's very complimentary. Thank you. Fair. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm... Uh, more sixth than ninth, just because I don't think I'm cool enough to be ninth. I like, like that we the think ninth. the ninth is cool, but the other houses are like, ugh. 
Yeah. But you, you are also a noted blood magic enthusiast, Jude. That's true, but there's no blood in the ninth. Yeah, just mm. bones. The ninth are bone mages. Just dust, Not y'all. blood mages. So, yeah, blood blood would probably actually be sixth. Yeah, okay. That's fair. So, yep. And I feel like psychometry would be a very, uh, is a very you thing. What are we going to do for Anna? Fear. One fear. That's a good question. See, I would have put myself in sixth, probably, because I'm also in, like, knowledge absorber category. But you all might have different perceptions, and you are sort of me rather than me sort of You do work in a very nerdy job. I think, I, I think sixth also works for you. Like you, you, you have you have big nerd energy. Am I am I the sixth calf to go with Jude's sixth necro? That's a very distinct possibility. Well, I think the question you have to ask is: is it, what is more statistical, uh, a sword or magic? Well, I do slice through the confusions <laughs> of the data. Ooh. <laughs> oh, stretching. I, I can feel it tearing. That's bad. Necromancers don't get to pun like that, so you're. you're <laughs> it's only it's only calves. Oh, and and that's why all the lictors can pun, as of course yeah. as well, because they've absorbed their calves. <laughs> Puns are for yeah. calves. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think Allie has self sorted herself correctly. Into what? Uh, oh, thin. yeah, we think so. I, mm, yeah, I do think like all of all of Abigail's content in Harrow the Ninth. Really, I was just like, oh, she's so good. Look at her. Look at her go. Look at her go. This is a crime. Where's her book? Like, um, just because I don't know. I just I loved her attitude. Like, I loved how she was like, you're doing great. You're really fucked up right now, but you're doing fine. Like, just be, just calm down, Harrow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she has this, like, very warm attitude about everybody. And, like, she, how how she's like, look at how great everyone is with all of their different stuff. I don't know. I just, I just fucking love Abigail. Like, and I don't think... I, I genuinely do not think I'm a cavalier as much as, like I said, I only own one sword. Uh, my husband definitely owns many, um, which is why when I, I was like, you have to read Harrow. He was like, I don't know if I have the energy for it. I was like, I'll tell you what happens, but I need you to listen to the audiobook because specifically I'm pretty sure we're just Abigail and Magnus. Like I need you to go listen to it. <laughs> That's I mean, really though, I said, I like, I, so I took the e-arc and I like screenshotted that, that moment right before the seance and sent it to him. And he came into the room like, <laughs> I was like, see, you're soft for me. You know, you know. <laughs> so wait, did we put Justin anywhere? Drag no. I, as a side note, I, while we're thinking about Justin, I also really like that the fifth is a uh, spirit uh magicians she's like let's have a seance we'll commune with them and it'll be great like i love that that's their necromancy is that that like liminal dreamlike let's you know commune and and like and like the the fifth house is primarily the magic that you draw on for like traveling through yeah it's really cool shit okay 
Justin belongs. Is it the third Justin? I I just got here. I don't go here, so like I don't know. <laughs> Is it the third? Some part of me says seventh. I was gonna say third or seventh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, both of those would work. Except that Protesilas is such a weird character. I mean, Protesilas isn't a character. Uh, right. No, you're right. Well, you're not wrong. No, he's more of a character. He's, he's like, yeah, he's he's somewhat of a character in Hero. Okay. I think here's I, here's the question. In Hero, he's a construction of a character. Yeah, here's the question. Uh, well, here's not a question so much as an observation. Uh I'm looking at the the house descriptions on tor.com. As am I. And yeah, yeah, same. I have that one. These graphics mm-hmm. are beautiful. Good job, Tor. Good job. Right? And yeah. my my concern my, I I like third house, but I don't think that Justin is third house because that involves style. <laughs> no. Uh because uh looking at the example examples uh babs is a bastard but not a himbo and i don't think that you would get a himbo out of the third house i'm touched wow Thank you. <laughs> this is the this is the quality of analysis that tamsin muir was hoping for when she inevitably will hear that we had this conversation yeah yeah um i think you could get a himbo out of the seventh though for sure right i mean probably oh, was like if he weren't dead, he might be a himbo. That's tweetable right there. <laughs> if he weren't dead, he might be a himbo. Yeah, I think the second. I think we're go- we're we're looking second or seventh for yeah for the the like aesthetics and poetry thing also somehow feels on point. Yeah, I I, I got to throw my vote in for uh, a seventh cav. All right, all right, I'll take it. We love to see it. Your rose bushes will be in the mail. Strength, oh God, they will die within a week. That's very seven. <laughs> just, they'll just burst into flames. It's extremely yeah. seven. Yeah. <laughs> Smash cut to Dulcinea Septimus weeping on a couch as she drools blood on herself. I I was joking that like the the you know that 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 makes I made the joke during my hero read through that I needed a fanning couch for this book. Legit. So that's seven. That's legit. Yeah, that, that's yeah, strong seventh yep. energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vibe. We've got through one of these. Um, which house do you which first so two part question? Which house do you love? Which house do you want to dunk in a toilet? I really really love the um the fifth house as for the reasons we've discussed so far um abigail and magnus are great and i think the spirit magic is probably the most interesting one that we've seen in a lot of ways the river is super fascinating and i think a lot of that stuff is like really interesting to me uh and the eighth can just get bent yeah, fuck those guys. We know guys. nothing about the eighth except they suck. They suck. Like, they really do. That's all they we do. know about them is that they suck. Like hard. I mean, the Torah article describes them as religious zealots. Yeah. So that immediately just sort of like, mm, yeah. thumbs down. Like, I think it's not a coincidence. I mean, Gideon aside, that in the first book, we don't even know their names until like way late in the locked room mystery thing that's happening. Like, yeah, I, and they like are in the background or whatever. Guinea doesn't even know who they are until 
that tea that weird just, tea party. Yeah. You're just like is, the mayonnaise uncle. Ugh. Yeah. Is there is there more is there a more punchable name than Octokizeron? Yeah. Oh. And what's her name? You, um You want to punch him right in the Octokisser. <laughs> he just Or does his mother too, though the from the ninth is also She's uh, from the eighth, a, yeah. A, uh, from the eighth too. And mm. she's also yeah. an unsavory character. Just oh. No thank you, eighth. <laughs> um I also love the fifth house for reasons we've discussed. I love the sixth house. Like I think if Abigail and Magnus had had more time in the first book, I would be whole hog for them. But I think because the first book spends a lot of time with Camilla and Palamedes uh, from the sixth house, like I, I liked Palamedes right away. And then Camilla is extremely competent and like no bullshit, which we love to see. Um, and so I love, I love the time that we get to spend with them. Uh, from the sixth house in that first book. Um, I agree the eighth house could get dunked in a toilet. I also want to say that I would die for the shitty teens from the fourth house. I love them. <laughs> They're very yeah. good. And I'm very, I mean, the, oh, when, when, when Isaac dies and Jean Marie loses her shit and then you're like, Oh God, yeah. no, the shitty teens. No. And then, you think she's safe and then she fucking isn't and she dies and Gideon is left going, fuck. I, as a reader, was like, no, not the teens. They still had zits on. No. And it's funny because like Gideon had honestly a really good idea for like a way to keep Jean-Marie I safe. Know. Like, like Gideon, Gideon's like kicking herself for like being stupid, but it was a good no, plan. It was, it was a good idea. It was a good plan. Yeah. And then Gideon's just destroyed as are all of us. Oh, it was just so sad. One of my favorite scenes in the first book is with the, the shitty teens is that the first tea party that Magnus throws yes. when uh, Jean-Marie comes over and asks to see Gideon's biceps. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> that scene is because the first time you read the book, like nothing prepares you for the idea that John Marie's going to want to see her biceps, and it's just very good. Like the visual of it, it in in my head was just extremely good because I like that Gideon just says yes to a lot of stuff. Like, okay. uh, and I think that's your first real indication that she's just, that she is just kind of amenable to a, a lot of stuff because she's so sheltered that. She's just kind of up for saying, for even though Harrow has made her not talk, she'll she'll still you know show off her guns to a couple of terrible teens <laughs> just because why not? Yes, yeah, yeah. I love that and and her like assessing um, Jean Marie uh, Jean Marie's biceps and being like, you know, they're 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 the biceps of a teen, but they have promise. Yeah. This little, this wee little calf from the fourth, um, and I love the shitty teens' triumphant return in Harrow when we're when we're flipping through the the archive of our own in Harrow's brain, like, and and we hit the fucking coffee barista AU. I was just <laughs> shrieking so uncontrollably the whole section, like she's not doing what I think she is, right? And like, ah. Oh. And she did, and they didn't Ugh. make her cut it. And I'm like, the, they didn't make her, like, she just wrote all this, you guys. She just wrote it and put it in her book and said, here it is, motherfucker. And her editors were like, great, here are some gifts because I love this shit. And then they published it. 
Like it was so easy. It's like it was just so easy. Got paid for it. Not sorry, Tamsin Muir. Hasn't hasn't she said something like that there are no deleted scenes? Yeah. Yeah. She said that yeah, there were no deleted scenes, but there were some memes that they took out. Yeah, probably too many memes. Probably too heavy on the memes. I, I roll I roll with the six house. That the, like the, their nerd energy between the two of the between uh Palamides and Camilla are just They're very so good. good. And Camilla's sick fight at the end of Gideon is very good. Very good. Uh Camilla is just like Camilla is just an absolute amazing fighter. Yeah. The the descriptions of those scenes are amazing. Yeah. I, I also absolutely love Sixth House. I really liked how they how uh Nero goes into how different each of the houses fight too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the the different the different sword play styles and the, the their various choices of offhand weapons. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. I love how embarrassed like, uh Harrow is that Gideon uses the knuckles. Oh god. Yeah. And I like it, like, 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 the, 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 this shit is getting real moment is when, like, the necrom, or when the calves stop using rapiers. Like, when Camilla just gets those two oh, swords out. I love out. that. Just like, right. but just like, just like, nope, nope, we're done playing now. We're just gonna fuck. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Gideon having the, like, moment with her two-hander. Yeah. yeah. So sad. That whole book. I wanted her to get that broadsword out so bad, that whole book. And the moment when she finally like sprints back to the room and rips the bottom of that that trunk out to get her sword, I was so happy for her. Like, yeah, just so happy for her because you knew she wanted to be swinging that thing the whole time. Uh, and then, and then Harrow's forced to wield it in the next book, and you you nearly <laughs> dropped it because you have no muscles. Pretty God, do a setup. Li- liberal <laughs> interpretation of the word "wield," since mostly what she does is lug. <laughs> she just from drags room it to down room the with thing. it glued to her back with bone. <laughs> she mostly just ruins yeah. it. Yeah, and then she builds like she builds herself like a power suit out of which bone. is so sick. It's so cool. Yeah. God, okay, okay, this is a, like a really thing of uh, Gideon, Gideon, but with uh, Kytheria at the end, just she builds bone mecha, like necromechas. It was just like, yeah. I was just like, okay, we're doing this. Okay, I'm here. Just a lot of yeah. really creative D&D roles, like in that whole last fight, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I, every now and then, they really emphasize how not even emphasize, but you're told a lot like what a prodigy Harrow is, mm-hmm. but I like that she also shows that. Yeah. You see it happen. Like so yeah. creative. And she's always thinking and always, you know, has like 15 different fail safes. And mm-hmm. like when Ortis first stabs her and like, she has her ribs trapped to like grab things that stab her. Oh God. Yeah. She's like, uh. she's yeah. paranoid and she's wicked smart. <laughs> Just really works in her favor. Yeah. All right. What's next? Did on we the dunk agenda? on everybody? Uh, Did that? 
I, I think everybody, I, I think we universally want to dunk on the eighth house. Like, that's just the... I, I want to say that second house can also get fucked. I just think they're kind of yeah. dry. Okay. Like, I, they're just kind of boring. I, I sort of kind of like... No, they're the, like, they're the, like, colonialist military bastards. Okay, no, 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 okay, okay, okay. No, then we gotta drag fourth house, Fourth too, house is Because fourth also, house is specific... Yeah. yeah, fourth house are the commandos. Like, second house is just the emperor soldiers, and, like, there were fine they're just a little they, they just need to take the exactly out of their ass. that like they're look, the moments we get actual character moments from seconds they're, they're fine. fine when they when they crack at you know when when judith cracks at the end that yeah. i was just like okay yeah. i like her uh you gotta break the babies for me you, you, and then they're they're fine um the four the four thousand are like they were the people who like they were they're the planet crackers if i mm-hmm. remember right yeah they're the first um, in the they're the vanguard. They're the. Yeah. Um, it's like second uh, and fourth are the primary people in the cohort, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the fourth house sends their kids, sends their like children year olds to off. war. Yeah, yeah. They send like, and the only reason that like Isaac isn't there is like he got mumps. And that, but the second are the officers, yes. right? So, yeah, like the the officers and the various yeah. soldiers. Yeah, it was like it v- felt very much to me like the second house is the officers, the fourth house is the infantry. Yeah, the uh, not not infantry. They're well, they're they're definitely not infantry. They're they are special the special operations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're paratroopers basically. I read a really uh, horrifying theory uh, on on Reddit that said there's a line in the book where. Uh, John is talking about how in the early days we just sent a lictor anytime we were going to a planet and the lictor would go in and flip the planet to provide this thanergetic bloom that the, and then, and then we sent the necromancers in and the necromancers would have all this, this thanergy to work with. And now we do it a harder way and combine that with the talk about how they send in like all these troops and stuff. It seems pretty clear that what he's basically saying is they, they, throw a bunch of troops out so that they all die. And that's the, the thanergetic bloom that they work with to start so that then they can send in the necromancers. They just basically throw shock troops out to die in horrible numbers bef- so that they can then send out the necromancers to, to start working. Which then means that the fourth house are basically just batteries. Yeah. Which sucks, especially because they're kids. But like... Which is why the second house are the one who suck. The end. <laughs> okay. Next question. This should be a short one. Should be. What do you imagine the emperor, the emperor's coffee mug says on it? My original suggestion for this was Mondays make me bone tired. That's really good. Uh, let's see. What do I think? Um... I feel like maybe maybe one of those like battery power uh, you know the color changing battery um coffee mugs yeah. uh that but it just says like thalergy level or something like that Oh no I I think he has one it's a color it's one of those hot, uh, hot water mugs one of those really tacky ones where you you pour hot when you pour hot water into it, it goes from being all black, and when you fill it up, it's got like mm-hmm, Halloween mm-hmm. skeletons on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or alternate, uh, it says, uh, 
world's best uh, world's best necro lord on it. Galaxy's number one bone daddy. There you go. <laughs> also, we're good. just gonna combine as many of them as I can. And it's like a big. It's not like a regular like ten ounce coffee mug. It's like a big bowl with a handle on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you can have soup in it too. <laughs> oh no. Nourishing soup. Good for you. Bone broth. Mm. Oh boy. So, <laughs> oh, makes and me want ramen. So real I want bad. to say um having having read Gideon or reread Gideon, um the Harrow's soup tactic is foreshadowed there. Because at one point, Harrow threatens to feed bone meal to Gideon and punch through her stomach. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. When, when Gideon is being we love a callback. We love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So clever. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. So, was there... Was there a favorite dad bit y'all had apart I mean, apart from the the mount dad <laughs> the the everest the everest of that of this book uh, what were some of your favorite da- uh, dad dad I know books? that we've already talked about well Jude has mentioned how potentially nefarious that scene with with him and Harrow is um I do like that they have a they have a couple of those scenes where it's just the two of them mm-hmm. kind of chilling um, which I, I actually really, really love. Um, and I, I love that moment where he says, you know, I don't have a daughter, but if I did, I'd want her to be like you or something like that. Because like, oh, first of all, the pressure. Second of all, of all, he's God. Third of all, Harrow, you done you fucked You do up. have a daughter. Fourth of all, you do. Surprise, you're on Jerry Springer. Here she is. Are you ready for this? <laughs> like, the, it's just a very loaded moment. But it's but yeah. it's also it's not just loaded for the for the reader, it's loaded for Harrow and it's loaded for him in the moment emotionally grounded, which is just like a perfect perfect blend of you know texture and flavor, which is really great. Along those lines, I love the moments with Harrow where he's like encouraging her to have other interests other than like bone necromancy when he's like hero read a book learn a new thing that's not necromancy like expand your world yeah because like he he's watched all of his other kids essentially right go go nutso because they've lived so long and being a lictor is really bad for you it turns out um and so I think that he, as the dad, is like, Harrow, you're very talented. Yes, you came from the Gifted and Talented program. Yes, we fast-tracked you. No, you're not old enough to technically really be a part of any of this. But here you are. I need you to not lose your mind. I need you to be okay, right? Um, yeah. But that it's interesting because he's telling Harrow this, and Harrow has never been normal anyway, 
like on top of the, like at least some of the other necros and calves that became lictors had a chance at like a quote unquote normal life for what it was like in their house. But Harrow never had that chance. So she doesn't even like, she's like cooking. Yes, I will learn to cook and everyone will love my cooking and it will be great. Right. Like, like, but she's never right. She's never had a she's life. Like a, she's like a fucking space alien. Yeah. Like, like there's no her way. approach to cooking was so bizarre. Soup. I will make soup. Yeah, people people always people always get on her for being, you know, borderline feral, but like if you actually look at where she grew up, she basically She would was. have to be. And like I mean, yeah. I keep going back to the fact that so her parents are dead and she then puppets them for years, which is in like that is arguably pretty insane, right? Like but she does it and she does it well enough that people don't notice, which is extra weird. And then like the, the, the weight of that and the pressure of that, because you, I mean, if you look back, she and Gideon weren't even like really on speaking terms while all of that was happening, which means she's been in her own head forever with no one else to be an outlet until they get to Canaan house and have that, that conversation in the pool really. And that's like, so, so God dad is like, please honey, like get, can we sign you up for soccer or something? Please just like anything. <laughs> and she's like, no. And he's like, okay, just like pick one thing, pick one thing and I will give you a gold star for the month. And she's like, okay, <laughs> cooking, fine. Cooking, whatever. <laughs> Food is for the week. As it tries to commit murder. She, yeah. I mean, she does pretty well, doesn't she? Like she almost succeeds. Yeah, she does. If, I, I feel like Harrow, like anything she actually attempted, she would be good at. Uh, I actually love Harrow. I don't know if that was clear. I love her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's great. She's. Uh, I like the, his obsession with biscuits. Yeah. Where he's uh, always trying. To, so first of all, I love the absurdity of trying to fatten up a lictor. Yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> it seems really bizarre and d- dumb to me. Like... If she wanted to gain weight, wouldn't she just like gain weight? Make herself gain weight? Maybe I don't understand how that works, but it seems like that's how that would work. Um, but also, like, this is a girl that like thinks tea is entirely too exotic a flavor, and he's constantly like trying to make her eat cookies. But um, you dunk it. You see, you put you put it in the tea, and she's like, yeah, and she's. <laughs> horrified by this but there's also a scene where he's like holding out a tin of cookies and he's he's like bickies and he offers it i'm just like this is god this is god dad. Is, yeah. he's got two modes uh, god and dad yeah, yeah. you have two and you, you have two he, stats god and dad yeah <laughs> Ooh, good Ooh. game. <laughs> i'm writing it down tm 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 i, I also really like the the first shuttle scene uh, where it just got such, I will turn the shuttle around in the river. I don't care where we yeah, are. That's energy. So good. Girls, imagine a rocky planet with a magma core beneath the mantle. Oh, God, not the magma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then let us imagine the magma is full of unkillable man eating magma fish. Two problems arise. <laughs> it's, it's just he has. Yeah, the, the very low-key discourse about really creepy things. Uh, he's mm-hmm. just so tired, guys. Or standing in front of like the, the chalkboard explaining how to kill a resurrection beast. <laughs> yeah. 
gosh, yeah, no, the, the, um, I think the first point where I was just, like, losing it was the magma fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, um, let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, um, I want, I want to have shipping corner. I think a few of these can be <laughs> condensed into shipping corner. Okay. Um. Yeah, so uh, do you, if we just wanted, we can skip the discussion of the titty mags of various houses, mm. or <laughs> um, I just don't even want to think about the eighth house. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, That's largely why I put that bullet point in. My eyes. It would was so that you'd all have to think about that. It's very rude. I imagine it would just be a bunch of blank pieces of newspaper with the word porn written on them. <laughs> Boring. And, and at the very end, you have shamed the emperor for Shame. looking at this. Please flagellate the yourself. It, the emperor would not be ashamed. The emperor would be like sort of disappointed that 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 was that you weren't looking. Yeah, at yeah. I, I feel I, like I, I feel like the emperor. Honestly, now that we know him, I feel like the emperor has got to be just like eighth house. What is wrong with them? Like. So, uh, they they have something wrong with them. It, it's like the it's like the first scene where the 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 uh, lieutenant is you know using their heart blood to draw the the uh, the ghost ward, and he's like, "Stop killing yourselves." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the oh gosh, now I'm just thinking of like the emperor with a like with a, with like front line titties of the fifth, just flipping through it, and that danger five fifth of sensible chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. God. <laughs> so let's talk shipping. shipping. So we're gonna I'm gonna just go put myself up on this cross here. I sorta kinda low key ship Iantha and Harrow. Oh yeah. Like like um, I'm gonna just like we're gonna preface this conversation by I am a unabashed multi shipper. So th- this is not th- I like and like the the amount of pure just like vitriol they have towards each other just gives me life. The the scene close to the start of the book where Harrow is like, I have to check Ant's like jaw and tongue for spell integrity. Oh, yeah, how shall I do this? Moi. And the internal narration of Oh God, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And at one point later on in the book, doesn't she, doesn't Anthony wrap her in like a huge wad of fat and roll her away from Ortis and just apparently never stops laughing about it? Yes. Yeah. I really like their relationship and I like how much Iante clearly wants there to be more there. Uh, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say I ship it. I think I... I don't know. I have trouble. To me, Harrow is such a hot mess. Like, it's hard, especially after reading Harrow. Like, I think after Gideon, I was very much like, well, she's dead. That's a bummer. I was really on board with this Gideon-Harrow train. Uh, But after Harrow, I'm just like, I don't think Harrow can, like, conceive of the idea of, like being with another human being that's not a corpse in a in a freezer uh 
realistically. Like I don't like corpsicle. Yeah, I, I it, so I for me like shipping hero with anyone other than the body is a weird one. So I guess I'm on board with shipping hero in the body. I think that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I I refuse to accept any outcome except Gideon and Harrow at this point. Yes. yes. But um so like I was I was reading Gideon the first time, watching Gideon get stupid around Dulcinea going, huh, huh, huh. like because I knew that's not what I I don't want this. I do not want this. You don't want this. Put it back. Like, but it it's like it's a device. We're telling a story, okay? We got to get with it. And I, again, I started reading Harrow going, huh, huh. but like, because they are both now baby lictors and they are the only baby lictors, I see why um, both as a narrative device and in the context of the story that Ianthi would be like, well, here we are together. Interesting, right? And Harrow's like, what? I can't hear you over the sounds of the voices in my head. And and that Yanthi's like, are you sure? Because I'm like, I could whisper in your ear, would that help? And Hera's like, what? I can't hear you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That like, I get that as a, as a narrative device, but also in the context of the story, of course, Yanthi would be like, I did it. I won. I did all of the stuff. I defeated my sister. I absorbed her and the, the, the Cav. I win, I win, I win. But now... I have no idea what I'm doing. Everything is very big and scary and bad and difficult and I'm tired and Harrow's right here and her she's actually like kind of cute. Like she's just kind of cute. She's feral but like cute in a cute way. Like so I get it structurally but that doesn't mean that I, the person reading it, was like okay with it. I wasn't. I tried to ever like... I, I was like... Muir described Harrow as like the awkward kid is uh, the awkward kid goes to supper camp and has a gay awakening. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, man. In that same AMA we keep referencing, she said something really crazy about Iante, and that was that between the two of them, Corona Beth was the bigger monster of them, Mm. which I thought was a crazy statement. Uh, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I look forward to finding out more about that. Yeah. I would love to see more of Corona because like we, we see the two of them in Gideon filtered through Gideon's perceptions where Gideon like views, everybody views Corona as like the dominant one Mm -hmm. because like, she's gregarious. She's outgoing. She's hot. And Gideon clearly has the hots for her mm-hmm. as well. And it, it's, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Corona. Yeah, that's interesting. It is funny, though, that because of that, because of the Gideon filter on that first book, that we're like, she's like, look at all the girls here. Harrow's not here? Cool. I'm just going to go walk around and not talk to people, but just like look at them maybe. And then they talk to me. Oh, well, that's fine with me. Oh, did you drop this? Let me pick that up for you. Like, meanwhile, Harrow is out there actually trying to figure out the secrets of the universe and it's fine. It's just very funny. It has, it has such like, it was like a GM decided to run a game for two people. Yes. 
They came up with really great character ideas. One of them was like, I'm going to go down the hatch and this hole was made for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go look into the mysteries. And the other one's just like, I'm going to hit on them. I'm going to hit on the girls. NPCs. I'm going to talk. Yeah. And I'm just going to do all these side quests. It's, that's exactly what I was thinking when I first read it, Justin. I was like, this feels like a D&D campaign where the, the they split the party right away and we're only getting half of what's going on. Yeah. For very good reasons. Oh, so I have I have in my tweet threads a lot of Grindelhark lines that um, are things that I've like I made a di- I made like dying whale noises upon reading them. Um, she had been outplayed by Palavini Sextus, outgunned by Kytheria the first, and undone by Gideon Daff. Just, <laughs> just like put it on my you? tombstone. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. Oh. So my my personal ship here is I really, really hope that Palamedes and Dulcie can be together in the river, oh, yeah. like in that little island that Palamedes mm. made. Yes. Because we have the, the scene that we don't actually see of Harrow talking to Dulcie, like after they've defeated the sleeper. And I really, I just really hope that the two of them can have something approaching a happy ending. Because, like, I shipped those two kids. Yeah. And Palamides deserved better. You know, that scene in at the end of Gideon where Gideon is, like, literally frozen in the hallway listening. And he's confronting yeah. her. And he's like, you're not her and you never have been. I was like, oh, no. And then, like, the, the reason why he knows that being because he was in love with her. I was like, oh. That was so why? heartbreaking. I was just like, this is just like. It was a slow motion train wreck. Yeah. Oh, and and the thing where I caught something in that scene too, where um, Cytheria is talking about how, like, she came to an agreement with Dulcinea or something along those lines. And honestly, she just had she was just like torturing her ghost. So that's, sad. That's, has to be what was going on, right? Like <sighs> that, like. Yeah, that they they didn't come to any agreement. Like, like Cytheria was just just tormenting tormenting that poor girl's ghost. So sad. <sighs> Damn you, Cytheria. Rest in peace. Do we think that Camilla and uh, Palamides pulled off the Lichterhood thing at, at the end of uh, Harold the Ninth? Because she rolls up and has different colored eyes uh, at the end of Harrow the Ninth. So like a reverse? Yeah. Like stuffing a necromancer uh, into a uh, calf? Uh, no, oh, okay, so I'm trying to remember. Palamides was the one who was like getting close to who like Harrow suspected would have been the closest to get perfect Lichterhood, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah. I think it's perfect Lichterhood. Yeah. It's instead of you... Like, you know, instead of taking something, you are sharing and swapping it. Yeah. That would mean yeah. that conceivably Palamides <sighs> is half not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, could come back from his island in the river. Yeah. I mean, I think that's. He could reconstruct himself, possibly. Yeah. Because he's. Uh, the, that last scene with, with Camilla, her eyes are that are described as being the that same cloudy gray that is used to describe his eyes. Mm. Fuck, I didn't notice that. That's really good. 
I mean, but that's that's really the thing, right? About this series, this trilogy is that, um, I mean, we know from page one that they're fucking necromancers, which means that anybody could come back, and death has no meaning. But also, it does. Like, yeah. Like I there still cried about the shitty teens. Death, like being. Yeah. 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 I think that's something that's become a like a more interesting thing recently. Um, in like a lot of fiction that I've been consuming is the idea of modifying death as a consequence. Um, for, for example, um, I, I am, I'm an X-Men fan and presently X-Men can't die. And I think, and like, like it's a whole thing. That's the basis of the current run. And like that, and like, and let's have an entire book series about space necromancers. It's like, you know, modifying that because I think that like death can become cheap and like, if you find ways to hurt people that are more interesting than death, that's so much more fun. Yeah. Well, especially in when you have a, like the X-Men is one is a great example where you have a place where the whole idea of people dying and coming back, they've cheapened that punchline so much. And it's become like a running gag that the X-Men die and come back. And like, so to take that and, make that like punchline that, you know, the X-Men die and come back so much and say, okay, well, let's just do that. Death no longer has any meaning. How can, what's next? How do you, where do you find the emotional weight behind those actions when there is no consequence seemingly? I, I agree with you. I think that's really interesting. Any other shipping? Um, Abigail and Magnus. I mean, just Yes. They're yes. married. They love each other. Deal with it. <laughs> um, gosh, what, what? Like, I mean, I sort of just like, I just sort of like ship um, John in like quiet afternoons. I ship John and biscuits. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I just want him to like, I, I could like stand for like a couple short stories of like. The emperor just having children. Yeah, or like the emperor like <laughs> chilling with some tea and then like um you know, somebody's cooking or whatever and he smells the smell and it brings him back to a time when things were fine and happy and he did a good job and he wasn't tired all the time. I also want to suggest something. I think that the emperor is a bit of a Roma boo. A what? Like 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 he he's a weeaboo but for Roman shit because the name John Gaius. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It's and like he's like I'm gonna remake my society and everybody's gonna have like these funky Latin for sure names. for sure. So I mean he's just a huge nerd, but also it's just like he's a very specific type of nerd. Yeah, he really is. Like, I'm That's just gonna true. Like, I meanwhile I just kept death. being like Gaius Baltar. <laughs> no, you don't belong. You're here. in the wrong movie, sir. Um, God, I. Okay, James Callis would be a good choice for the Emperor. Yeah, that's, sure. that's, oh, yeah. that's, the, yeah. that's the problem. I kept seeing that exact crossover. He's got a callback. We've already called him back for the role. Like, I don't know if he's going to take the job, but, you know, he's called back. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, as a side note, on the, on the subject of the, the nomenclature, um, like, did y'all... I'm just curious because, like I said, I read this before with people who don't usually read this genre. Um, 
did y'all pick up right away on the fact that their names are the numbers of the houses and like it tells you who they are oh, yeah. even though yeah. even though they have like seven names each and titles that no matter what name is being used you still know which house they are mm. oh yeah yes that brilliant. was so helpful brilliant move it's amazing also having a dramatic persona at the beginning of the book like just like aces love that yeah. Also, Although the... this book's dramatic persona is kind oh, of God, no, that's yeah, the no. thing. So, like so, by by giving us the dramatic persona in the first book with all the names and the numbers and everything like connected, so that you can go, okay, I now understand how this works. And then you get to Harrow and you're like, la la la, Lictor. Oh, these people are all dead. These people are all dead. That's weird. That's, why is that? Why is out? that in a different font? That's weird. Yeah. And then, like, as things start to drop into place as you're reading, you're like, oh, it's in a different font on purpose. It's bold. Also this. And it's scratched out because she's erased it from her memory. Like, it's just, like, yeah. how dare she? Uh, yeah, the, the, the metatextual stuff that they do with both the chapter headings uh, and and then also some of the font choices inside the, the letters to herself. Yeah, exquisite. Are, are really effective. I think the thing that impresses me most about these books i mean and there's a lot but they are so so purposeful yeah a a lot of books you get the sense that there are books where the person wants to tell a story so they sit down and they bang out a story and they're just kind of throwing it out there and then there's books written by pretentious noodle brains like george r R. martin who they think they've got this grand scheme, but it's a whole bunch of stuff and it connects and stuff like that. But it like, it's just a bunch of plot threads. And then you have books like this where you can tell that extraordinary care was put in to make every bit and piece meaningful. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that one t- is better than the other because th- sometimes you don't want to have to pay attention to the fucking font choice and like every little thing in in a in a book sometimes you just want like a ripping narrative to follow but I admire the crap out of these books because they're so purposeful. Yeah. And everything from the fonts to the 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 choice of the person to like every choice made in in these books is uh, thoughtful, which is really really cool. Has anybody else? I mean, has has anybody? Has everybody else here read uh, any of Brandon Sanderson's books? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they're on my to read lists along with a million other right. things. The the ever-growing list, right? <laughs> um, when Drew and I first got together, he was like, Brandon Sanderson. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And he was like... <sighs> and then he like made me stop everything to read Mistborn, um, which changed the way I understood how fantasy could be written. Um, and it was, it was... I mean, I- I've read a bunch of Sanderson stuff now, but th- that purposefulness that you're talking about is very, very much his bag um in in how he crafts things um i don't know how common knowledge it is but all of the books he writes not all of them like he's got multiple series going on like his young adult and his middle grade stuff does not connect but most of his adult fantasy series are in the same universe um 
And at no point in the book does he explicitly tell you that. You just have to know that. Um, if you don't know that, you don't lose anything. But by knowing that, you gain so much um, in reading across the different series. Yeah, it's called The Cosmere. Yeah. Um, and so all of his it's adult... It's, it is bananas. Um, and I highly recommend not looking anything up about it until you've read a couple books, just so that you have like a like a, a vocabulary to kind of work with what's going on. Um, because the overarching story that he's built for the Cosmere itself is really interesting. And then within each series, which takes place on different worlds in that galaxy or whatever, those are all infinitely complicated on their own, which makes me feel like he has a computer for a brain. Um, but he's very good at writing. So he has feelings. It's confusing. Um, but, uh, so in reading Sanderson's books, I feel like some of that was kind of like a training ground for my brain to be able to comprehend anything that was going on in Gideon and Harrow. Um, because without that, I don't know if I would have jived with it as well uh, or meshed with it as well, I should say. Um, but I was going to say that um, the purposefulness is very prevalent in Sanderson's works as well, not just because they're all part of this overarching like galactic level story, but also because the stories themselves are so intricate. Um, and there is inevitably some kind of reveal that happens late in each book that makes you go, wait, what the fuck exactly? Oh shit. And like Mistborn specifically, like that trilogy, that first Mistborn trilogy, um, the answer is, on the first page, but you will never see it coming. You will not. Even if you sit there before you finish reading the first book and you examine the first page and you study it, you will never figure out what it is. Um, and I was so mad about how smart it was and how good it was when I finished that trilogy that I was like, maybe I'm just never going to make anything ever again because that was brilliant. But of course, here we are having this conversation. But um, so I, I think that th it's really cool that there is room in like the public's eye for stuff that kind of like fills that purpose and fills that um, like that there's an overarching story as well as the story that's being told immediately and fed to you as the reader. Does that make sense? That like that there's more to it. Um, and that yeah. you're right. Not every story does that and that's fine. Um, but it has, it has really made me want to be that kind of writer. Um, and that, that one of the things, like I try to read stuff that's going to teach me something, um, as a person, as a reader, as a writer, whatever. Um, but that if, if there's one thing that like the Sanderson stuff and now these books have cemented for me, it's that I want there to be that bigger story that if you keep zooming out, eventually you suddenly see it and you go, Oh shit. It was this painting all along. They were just dots. It's Sunday in the park with George. You know what I mean? Like that you have that oh, feeling about it because I feel like stories can do that. And like, now that I know they can yeah. do that, especially like this is a story about space necromancers who are also lesbians and we're having these deep, like philosophical, metaphysical conversations about storytelling and like structure and how wild that is to me. So yeah, I, I've 
fucking love that about this. And it has made me reevaluate how I am attacked. Like I'm writing my next book right now. And I, it's, it's, it's made me reevaluate how I build this world that I'm working with and like how I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell right now in order to connect it to something larger so that the reader can go, Oh shit at the end. Cause that's all I really want. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no giant info dumps in this, you know, which is something that I'm used to in sci-fi at some point. Somebody's like, okay, here's three pages of exposition. And you know, there's really none of that. Yeah. She doesn't feed us anything. We have to like pick up scraps. <laughs> yeah. Not unlike Gideon. And occasionally the emperor will just be like, here, we're going to drop this like minor truth bomb here. And then we're going to just move along here because we don't have time to discuss the real. Yeah. And how, how yeah. John is just like, I, listen, yes, I have emotions about this, but I'm very tired. Okay. I'm very, just, just very tired. Can we not talk about this right now? And the other lictors make fun of him for like the, the things that he's, yeah. you know, he's like, Oh God, not that again. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's so good. I'm also a huge sucker for the kind of world building. Um, especially I, I'm a huge sucker for sci fantasy Same as here. a it's it's a very specific subgenre that I absolutely love where it's um, the stuff that kind of you know breaks the delineation Um one of the other sci fantasy books that I absolutely love is um, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Mm. That's um, on my list. I haven't read that yet, but it's been sitting on my to read list. I highly, highly recommend that. The first third is a YA novel, and then the other two thirds are what happens when you fast forward the characters in a YA novel to being like adults and what huh. effects that has on their lives cool so tv tropes at least describes harrow and all the locked tomb as new weird Mm. which i think is Mm. uh it's sort of a you know it's a 90s to now subgenre of of sci-fi fantasy that's explicitly built at like subverting tropes i mean that would put that would put it along with vandermeer's annihilation which i could see yeah okay um because annihilation um, which, by the way, I highly recommend Annihilation. I do not recommend either of the other two books. That's in what that I've trilogy. heard. I've heard that about that trilogy. They're not bad per se, but I think that whatever your brain can fill in for, like all of the open mysteries at the end of Annihilation, is probably more interesting than what happens in the other two. They're not bad books, but. The questions are more interesting, um, but yeah, I could I could see that as a kind of genre. Fit. But at the same time, like it it does like it's almost it almost fits in with like m- murder mystery fiction as well. Gideon certainly does. Yeah, like Gideon Gideon like it's got this weird almost like clue vibe mm-hmm. to it. I've I've pitched Gideon to friends as a um as it has the skeletal structure of like a Harry Potter spin-off almost where you have this magical like you know you have this haunted school 
where there's a mystery going on and there's a big scary thing, except it fucks and um, it tosses a lot of those just right on its yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got that skeletal structure there, but all the organs are in the mm-hmm. wrong place. That's a good point. Or it doesn't have any organs because it's all bones. Yeah. Shoot, I just realized that I haven't read The Mysterious Study of Dr. I Sons. haven't either. I've been saving it. I should read it, though, right? We should read it. Yeah. I just, I've been saving it. Um, so I think, I think one of the ways that we can wrap up this discussion is we've all kind of skirted around, and I think this fits in with the discussion of the genre, how to pitch this book, because it is fucking hard to pitch. Yeah. Other than it's good, you should read it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the The line that w- everybody was used, and we've used it a few times, the lesbian necromancers in space is super, it's accurate and also super not. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. It's on the jacket, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and that really is what it is. It's the jacket to the story. Yeah, that's yeah. There's a a thing that Tamsin Muir likes to do, which is she she describes her books before they come out in like broad terms that are super like vague and misleading. And uh, I fu- I feel like there's no way to not do that in summarizing this book because yeah. like how I mean how do you pitch this book? It, uh, it's, yeah, I don't know that how you would summarize it. Maybe. I think the two things that I'd like pitch it with is like, it is, I, I is probably compared to like the, the, the genres that it maybe doesn't fall into, but it shares the most narrative mm. strains with. Like, I think it's almost, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a boarding school book with Gothic horror elements. That's like that. I think that's honestly what it probably like shares a lot of its genetics with um but it's just done in a masterful way and then i i cannot think of like and the the only the only way i would be able to pitch hair of the ninth is read gideon first and if you don't want to read hair of the ninth there's nothing i could that's say that's a good yeah. point yeah. yeah 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 no hard agree i think i would sell gideon I would sell Gideon as do you like sword fights and necromancy and not knowing what's going on and loving it when you find out. Like, I wouldn't try and get on top of the plot. I would try and sell people with how it made me feel. And swords, because I like swords. Um, Because I can't the plot is to me almost incidental to why I would sell this book to people. Like I, there are a lot of people I recommended this book to that would not normally, I would try like, I recommended this book to my aunt Linda, who is a science fiction and fan, but I, you know, I did not come at her with, you know, lesbian necromancers in space, even though she's very cool. It's not like she would be freaked out by, you know, lesbian necromancers, but like, that's not how I pitched it. Like, you know, I pitched it as, you know, I think I went on for like six text messages. I took my time, but, um, 
I think the way the book was is sort of emotionally impactful and the like the relationships between the characters and just the the fascinating stuff it's doing is is more the angle that I would take but I I don't know man I don't know how you summarize this book it's too it's too it's too weird I think I think I've summarized it as like childhood frenemies of a sword fighter and a necromancer travel together to a mysterious abandoned planet to learn the deeper secrets of the universe. Yeah. That checks. Is a little bit spoilery for the first like few chapters, but gives a I think I think that gives a fairly decent feel. Yeah. I've described it as um like Agatha Christie's and then there were none with like a little bit of Hunger Games, except instead of trying not to die, they're like not worried about that because they're necromancers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we could pick up on that don't have direct correlations, be- which again is a testament to how f- fucking fresh this book is. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I was as soon as it flipped, as soon as we flipped that page and we realized, oh shit, there's a murder mystery happening. Where have we been? Oh, we're with Gideon. That's right. We're not paying attention. Um, that like, I was immediately like, this feels like Poirot, but then I realized like it wasn't Poirot. It's not, it's not murder on the Orient express and it's not death on the Nile. It's more like, and then there were none, um, for reasons, especially because of the house being like the main setting for the story that in, and then there were none, it's a bunch of people who don't seem to have anything in common and they come to this house and then stuff happens. Right. Um, if, but yeah, so I mean, and I mean, and I've described it kind of as hunger games because in, in Gideon, in the first book there, there is this quality of like, you've got to figure out how to become lictors and go. Right. And like, everybody is kind of like, and there's only a certain amount of keys and everybody's kind of, it gets to a point where they as people are starting to die that it's like, Oh shit. Then I guess we have to kind of outsmart each other while we're doing this. And like, is that going to like, can we do that right now? And, um, that unknown element gives it sort of that hunger games, like the clock is ticking kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Imagine how much better it would have gone for everybody if they just collaborated from the start. From the just start. incredible. Like maybe there would be like, multiple lictors. Who knows? But because they made it like, a weird, so many more people would have made it through that process. Maybe they might not have survived the process. They might have made it through yeah. like the the mystery part, but maybe not the process itself. Um, but then I, w- I would say I that also... I would say that Harrow is much more of a, a horror psychological and physical horror story than oh, than yeah. Gideon is. Gideon is much more of a mystery, I feel like. It's it's more like a D&D campaign and and yeah. uh Harrow is much more of a dread. Is is it dread? I think it's like yeah, there's like Call of Cthulhu maybe. Yeah. I, it's yeah. Um, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. That's the first book. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh it also the first book is also very clue to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Of these, like, very recognizable, like, characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thrown together in 
a murder mystery. I am glad though that when I when I find I I knew that there was a lot of hype around Gideon, um, but I'm glad that I didn't know what the hype was. I just knew that that people were hyped about it, and I and I I did the same thing you did, Anna, where I was like, I'm not going to read it because what if I hate it and. And then I, I also don't want to read it just because everyone else is reading it. And like, I did the same thing. Um, but because it, oh, yeah. it looks so cool, I was eventually like, I, I have to read it. I just hope that I like it because everybody else likes it. Um, yeah. But that uh, I'm glad that I didn't know about the murder mystery. Because if I, if I had known, I would have been like, I would have been like, uh, I would have been like mentally prepared for it. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that that was a surprise for me. Yeah. yeah, I remember Jude pitching it to me as, I can't explain it, but you're going to like it. It worked. <laughs> I, yeah. I'd gotten the, yeah, I'd like, I'd gotten the, 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 the gist of it, but like, I, I think it was, I, I think it was primarily Jude and Amelia who are like, yeah, there, there's the necromancer stuff, but there, but the, the actual story and the curveballs it throws yeah. you, you're going to go like, you're going to go down swinging it on the curveballs, but you're going to like, oh, you're yeah, going to love that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had, I just had a kind of bonkers realization while you were talking, Allie. You said that there's really nothing to like compare this to. And it made me realize that I don't know if it's going to be in two years or, or 10 years, there's going to be an explosion of books written by people who read this book and were like, well, fuck, I got to be a writer now. And who are going to try and write books because of this book. And this will be the book they, that you were comparing books to. Yeah. You can't compare anything to it because it's the one that, it's the trendsetter. This is the neuromancer to cyberpunk. No, that's it's exactly the milestone. What I was yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my my sister's a librarian, and she was explaining to me how how neuromancer, while we would all classify it as, cyber, as cyberpunk under Library of Congress classification rules, it can't be because it originated. Oh, that's so interesting. That's hilarious. Yeah, you're that. absolutely right. Though this is going to be a comp title for other people's shit. Yeah. Let us hope they deserve it. They won't. No, I, I I fully expect a lot of a lot of books, a lot of authors to be, you know, when asked like, well, what 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 inspired you when you were reading this book, Gideon and Harrow and hopefully Electo to all get name dropped as books that like inspired them yeah. to to write in terms of style or subject. So. Yeah. More space necrom more space lesbian necromancers, I guess. And more gays. More bones. It seems like a good place to I love wrap. it. And and maybe yeah, more second person narrative. Written. More bones? Usually on our uh usually on our podcast we ask people to rate the book as they've read them. Uh with <laughs> hilarious with hilarious uh adaptations here. And uh I don't think that's necessary for this one. No, it was good. Eleven on yeah. ten bones. <laughs> yes. Several extra phalanges. None house left excellence. The Complete Discography is an independent production by four people who just really like these books. All opinions expressed during the show are our own, 
All quotes from primary or related works are used under the fair use doctrine and remain copyrighted by their original owners. The music from this podcast is sourced from Incompetech. That info can be found in the show notes. The rest of it is distributed under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it. Please share it. But say where you got it, don't make money off it, and don't change it. Connect with the show at Pod, which is A-T-U-I-N underscore P-O-D, or email us at atuin.pod at gmail.com. <laughs>